today, we've been talking about spiritual warfare and how we've been equipped for spiritual warfare. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, the Apostle Paul is making us aware of a spiritual world or a spiritual realm that exists. And he's making us aware of the fact that it's it's in this realm or in this world where the devil and his demons, they move and they operate, and really they, they plot and they scheme against us. They hate us. I don't know if you knew this or not, but the devil hates you. He hates you because he hates God. Any enemy of God is our enemy. When you become a Christ follower, there is now a target on your back. And the devil right now at this moment is plotting and scheming and trying to figure out ways to destroy you. He's trying to figure out ways to knock you off of the plans and purposes that God has for your life. And so Paul is making us aware of that. He's saying, don't be naive to the devil's schemes. He is, he is plotting against you. He hates you. But the good news in that is that we aren't left to fend for ourselves. God has provided us, number one, his presence. He is with us. But he has also equipped us. The Bible says in verse 10, Paul says, to be strong in the Lord. In other words, he's saying this is not a battle or a fight that you can win in your own human effort. This is not anything we'll be successful at in our own strength. We need to be dependent and reliant on God. And so we have to make that clear right out the gate. We will not be successful in our own human effort. We have to be dependent on God, his presence, but also what he has equipped us with. And as we read in the text, we see that he has equipped us with what we hear in the text as the the armor of God or the spiritual armor. And so we've been talking about that over the past few weeks. We've been identifying Uh, and taking inventory of the armor that we have. And we began talking about the belt of truth. And then we talked about the breastplate of righteousness. We talked about having our feet shod with the the readiness of the gospel of peace. We talked about the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation. And today we're going to talk about verse 17. Not only the helmet of salvation do we need to take on, but we also need to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, if you recall, when Paul is talking about this spiritual armor, he is more than likely referencing uh, a Roman soldier. And he's looking at the armory of the soldier, and he is, he is relating that to this spiritual armor. He's looking at all the pieces of the armor of the soldier, and he's going down line by line, list by list, taking the inventory of our armor. And he comes to the part of the sword. Now, the sword is every other piece of the armor it is solely for, uh, for defense, to defend yourself. But now we see this, this one piece of the armor, the sword, is the only piece that is the offensive weapon. And so he talks about this sword. Now, 
when, when we mention the word sword, immediately the first thought of a sword that comes to mind, I, I think of the, these long swords, these like four-foot swords that take two hands to wield. You know what kind of swords I'm talking about, right? These swords that are just these massive long swords. But that is one type of sword, but the specific sword that Paul is talking about in this text is known as the short sword. Say the short sword. The short sword. The short sword is, is good for, for, for close hand, up close combat. Because see, sometimes, many times, more often than not, the battle may start at a distance. But it will oftentimes end up right in your face. And you're going to need something to not only to defend while the, the, the battle is in your face, your enemy is in your face, but you're also going to need something to strike with. And so he says to take up the sword of the Spirit. Now I have right here in my hand a short sword. Now this is not an exact replica, uh, but it gives you an idea of the short sword. This short sword is actually a real sword. So when I, I, I have, you know what, I'm not going to stand on the steps and do this because I might fall and cut myself. But we see the short sword. This is real. This is sharp. It will hurt you. And so we have this short sword. Now, as you can see, I can hold this short sword with one hand. If the enemy is on me, I'm able to defend, obviously, but I'm also able to strike with the short sword. Now, this sword doesn't just cut and slice. It's not intended to cut and slice. It is intended to stab. Like, when I get you with this, I am intending to puncture you. I'm intended to puncture your heart. I'm intended to puncture your lungs, and I know the kids are in service. I don't want to get too graphic, but you're used to it. So, so we see the short sword, and, and so he's talking about this sword that we are to take up, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, the short sword, this sword here, the first time I, I, I took it out of the sheath, I actually cut myself. I didn't know how sharp it was. And, and, and the reason why I, I, I cut myself a little bit is because I, I'm not familiar with swords. Like, I don't walk around with this on my belt everywhere I go. I, I don't do that. Uh, uh, this sword, the only purpose that this sword serves for me is its decoration. I, I, I keep this sword on a shelf in my office solely as office decor. It just looks cool. But this sword, this short sword, is not truly fulfilling its purpose just sitting on my shelf. It looks good, but it's not doing what it was created and intended to do. And so he talks about to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In other words, what he's telling us is that, that the sword of the Spirit, in correlation with the Bible, the Word of God, the Word of God is a weapon. Okay? It is a weapon. It is a striking weapon. It is an offensive weapon. And so we, we see this sword that I have here that solely serves as office decoration. It is sitting on a shelf in my office all the time. 
And now that we know that the sword of the Spirit is in reference to the Word of God, the Bible, the Bible is a weapon, I need to ask you a question. What good is a weapon that we don't know how to use? I mean, let's, let's talk about it for a moment. I said this is solely decor for me. It looks cool. It's cool to have. And I'm afraid at times that's the way we treat the Bible. Now, I, I have up here my Bible. And the reality is, now, now stay with me for a moment. In just looking at this, this is just a book. It has a leather cover. It's got paper pages on the inside. And looking at this just in and of itself, you would say this is just a book. It's the Bible, but it's, in essence, just the book. And we treat this in many ways like I treat the short sword. Oftentimes, it's just used as decor. For many of us, our short sword or our Bible or the Word of God is sitting on a shelf somewhere. For some of us, this short sword, this Bible, the Word of God is sitting in the back seat of our car somewhere. Maybe it's on the dashboard. Maybe it's on a coffee table. It's good decor. It's good to have. Sometimes we treat it like we do crosses. Now, I like crosses. There's nothing wrong with crosses. But I know people who have crosses. Like, I know people right now who, who and if this is you, this is not a, a shot at you, but this is just an observation that I've seen over the years is that they have a cross hanging around their rearview mirror, not because they just like the cross, but they really believe that having that cross on the rearview mirror will prevent them from having a car accident. There are people, and you may be even here today, that have crosses on your, uh, uh, your headboard of your bed because you believe that having the cross there will, will prevent you from having nightmares. It'll protect you at night. And you believe that there's power in that cross. It's going to prevent you from having accidents. It's going to keep you safe at night. Well, let me tell you something. That's not power. That's magic. There's no power in that cross. None. Doesn't ward off vampires. Just doesn't do it. In, in the same way, we, we treat the Bible the same way. Well, as long as I have it, then there's power. As long as I bring it with me, there's power. Well, the reality is, this is not powerful. It's just a book. In the same way, this, inside of its sheath, is not powerful. This may bump and bruise you, but it's not going to cut you. See, the power is not activated until I'll take the sword out of the sheath. And in the same way with the Word of God, see, see, the power is not in the book. The power is in the message. See, until we take the sword out of the sheath, until we open the book, until we read and know the message, we don't really know the power that we have. 
See, and we operate and move like this. The sword and the sheet, the decoration on the shelf, the, 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 the decoration on my coffee table. But there's no power in that. The power is in the message of the Word of God. And how will you know about the power if you do not know the message? See, we don't know the power that we have. We don't know the power that we possess right now in our hands or even on your smartphone right now in an app. The power is in the message. In fact, let me prove it to you. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says this, For the word of God is alive and active sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So initially, say, man, the Word of God is, is alive. It is alive and active. Well, what does that mean? Well, let me break this down another way. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 8, Jesus is sharing a parable of the seed and the sower. And he's talking about throwing seed on different types of soil. Some good soil, some bad soil. But he also says in chapter 8, he, 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 he likens the seed to the Word of God. He says the seed is the Word of God. And so seeds are life. There's life in seed. There's also power in seed because if, if the seed is, is planted in the right soil, then the seed begins to grow. The seed begins to flourish. The seed begins to thrive. And it's the same way with the Word of God. The Word of God is like a seed that if it's planted in the right soil. In other words, if the seed of the Word of God is planted on the inside of you, it's then and only then that you get, get to truly experience the power. Because then it begins to grow. Then you start to see life transformation. Then you start to see change and things happening in your life only because the seed of the Word of God was planted. Remember, the power is in the message. And that message is the seed. And it says that the Word of God is alive and it is active, meaning it is powerful. Another translation says that it is quick and powerful. It is sharp. It is, it is the ultimate surgeon. Dividing spirit and flesh. See, I don't know about you, but there are times when I read the Bible and there are certain things that I don't really like to read. Maybe it's just me. But there are things I've read in the Bible where I'm like, man, I sure wish I didn't read that. I'm just being honest. Certain things that I'm reading, I'm like, oh, God, why? Like, why? Why was that in my devotional today? Today of all days, why this? And it makes me uncomfortable. Why? Because it's sharp. It is dividing spirit and flesh. 
It is doing surgery. It is doing something to me. Why? Because that seed has been planted. It's alive. It is powerful. Remember, the power is not in a book. The power is in the message. And so we, we, I hope we're getting the understanding of how powerful and how awesome and how alive the Word of God is. But now he says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So we need to, to make a distinction there because the Word of God, the Word that is mentioned there, is not just the Word of God, not just the Logos or the, 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 the written Word, but in fact the Word that is used there is the word rhema. Rhema literally means the, 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 the uttered word, the, the spoken word of God. So you take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the spoken, the uttered word of God. And not just the spoken word, but the spoken word of God for the moment. See, see there are many times where you need the word of God for the moment. There are circumstances and situations that we come through in life where where we don't have any other solution. We don't have the answer. We don't know which decision to make. But, oh, the rhema word of God, the spoken word of God, the seed that is in me, for whatever reason, it, it comes to remembrance at the moment. And I'm like, oh, God, I remember what I read about this situation. I remember what you said about me. I remember how you feel about me. I remember the promises that you said. It was a word spoken for the moment. And so, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, the rhema, the the, the spoken, the uttered word for the moment. Let me give you another example of how this looks. We see this incredibly demonstrated in the life of Jesus. In the life of Jesus. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, Jesus in chapter 3 has just been baptized. And as he's baptized, he comes out of the water. And God, his Father, speaks to him. He says, This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus hasn't started his ministry yet. We don't see recorded miracles. We don't see the multitudes following. We don't see any of that. All we know is that God is pleased with him. God loves him. God is affirming him. Not because of what he's done, but because of who he is. And so he gets his affirmation from his father in chapter 3. And then in chapter 4, the first thing that it says, it says that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And it was there that his enemy was waiting for him. And he was led in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And and he was fasting. He was 40 days deep in his fasting. No food. I bet you he was hungry. Stomach just churning and growling. Just roar. And here comes the enemy. Here comes the devil with his attack. The devil knew when the right time was to attack. In other words, Jesus was led not just to the wilderness, he was led to the battlefield. 
And if we read the text, it says here, it says, the devil said to him, verse 3, if you are the son of God, let's stop right there for a moment. The first point of attack of the enemy on Jesus was attacking his identity, right? He said, if you are the son of God, if you're really the man, if you are really him, and let me tell you something this morning, all attacks of the enemy always initially begin with an attack on your identity. All the time. Because if he is tempting you, he is attacking your identity. He's attacking your identity in Christ. He's attacking your new life that you have. If you are really born again, if you are really a son of God, if you are really his daughter, he says, if you are the son of God, Jesus, I want you to turn this stone into some Texas Roadhouse rolls right now. Right now. Because you are hungry. I know you're hungry, Jesus. That's what he would ask me to do. He says, if you're the son of God, you can turn that stone into bread. Come on, it's, it's that simple for you, Jesus. I know it's that simple for you. If you're the son of God, you could do that. And let me tell you something. Jesus could have easily done that. He could have easily just done it. And the question remains, well, why didn't he just do it? He could have shut the devil up right at that moment. Or would he? I don't know about you, but I'm glad Jesus didn't turn that stone into bread. Because see, if Jesus, and, and this isn't in the Bible, this is kind of my view on this text, but I often wonder, had Jesus turned that stone into bread at the request of the devil, if he had done that, then I believe that Jesus would have set a precedence for the rest of us to always live a life of performance to prove that we are loved by God. But he doesn't do that. Instead, what does Jesus do? He goes to the word. He takes his sword out of the sheath. Jesus, if you're really the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Verse 4, Jesus answered, it is written, sword out of the sheath, the word of God. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Jesus is quoting scripture. He's quoting the words of his father. He's quoting the inspired, breathing words of his father. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. In other words, I don't need to be satisfied by the temporal. I, I have the eternal to be satisfied with. God satisfies me. I don't need the bread. Although it looks delicious. I don't live by that alone. That's not what sustains me. His word sustains me. Short sword. It is written. And the devil does this two more times to him. Two more times he does the same thing. He tries to tempt him. He tries to attack him. And the remainder of those times, Jesus does not perform. 
He takes the sword out of the sheath and says, it is written. It is written. It is written. The word of God says. Jesus knows how to use the sword. Jesus understands the power of the message. He understands the power of the sword. Jesus understands rhema. He understands the spoken word for the moment. And many of you need to understand how to use the spoken word, the word of God, the uttered word for the moment. But the fear and the, 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 the problem and the issue is I don't think we know the power of the message. What good is a weapon if we don't know how to use it? So how do we use it? How do I learn to wield the sword properly? How do I learn to wield the short sword? How do I learn to defend and to strike and to cause a, a massive blow? How do I do that? How do I wield this thing properly? Three easy steps, and then you're free to go. Three easy steps that are not dynamic. They're not extremely revelatory. In fact, many of you probably know every single one of these steps, and that's good. But my hope is that as we go through these steps of how to wield our sword properly, we'll truly understand and know the power of the message. The first thing we must do to better use the word, to better use the sword, number one, I've got to listen to God's word. Listen to God's word. Right now, you are listening to God's word. This is the first step. Romans 10, 17 says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. Remember, the power is in the message. So faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. So this is the first step. You're on your way. You're on your way to be a sword-wielding believer. You must listen to God's word. Listen to it in service. Listen to it on the podcast. Listen to it at home. Listen to it whenever you get an opportunity. Let the word of God just, just flow and permeate inside of you. Just listen to the word of God. Second step to becoming a sword wielder. Not only must you listen to God's word, but I've got to read God's word. I've got to read it. I've got to get into the book. I've got to open it up. I've got to read the message. Because if I don't know the message, I don't know the power. So I've got to read God's word. Matthew 4, 4, another relation to Jesus in the wilderness, in speaking to the devil, he says, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so what we're saying here is getting into this book, reading the scriptures, reading the text, is fulfilling to us, it is satisfying to us. We've got to listen, but we also got to read it for ourselves. 
And let me tell you something just on a practical level. Find the translation you can understand. I get asked sometimes about our church, well, y'all are King James Church. Y'all NIV Church. Are you a NLT Church? Are you a Message Church? Like, well, you know, what? Like, that's important for some people, and I understand the preferences. But if you're just starting out, if this is new to you, and reading the word is opening up the text, and, and if, it's, if it's sometimes intimidating to you, man, thank God that there are plenty of translations that make it easy to read. I don't need you to be a scholar. God doesn't need you to be a biblical scholar. He just wants you to know the message. And so find a translation that works for you. If it's KJV, if it's NIV, if it's NLT, if it's the message, whatever, as long as it gives you the message. Let's not get hung up on translations. Let's get hung up on the Word of God. Let's, let's, let's get an understanding of the power of the message. And as you start to read more and digest more, you start to dig a little more like, wow, this this is life-changing for me. Then you start to experiment and check out other translations and read. That's, 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 my, that's my office right now. I have tons of translations of the Bible in there, and I go through all of them. I'll read the children's Bible, the message Bible. the you know, I'll read them all. But find something that works for you. You must Read the word. And lastly, the last thing you need to do is you've got to meditate on God's word. You've got to meditate on it. Think about what you've read. Don't just read it to get through it. Don't feel like you've got to meet some kind of quota. I've got to get my chapter for the day. Got to get the, got to read the Bible in a year. Let's go. Ah, I'm three days behind. No. Man, the app keeps reminding me I'm three days behind. I'm five days behind. Oh, I missed six days. After about two weeks, you're like, Chris, where you been? Right? Don't, don't get caught up in just trying to finish it. Man, let it get inside of you. If it's a few verses a day that just speak to you, just, just marinate on it. Think about the promises of God. Think about what he's telling you. Think about what he's communicating to you. Think about his promises. Think about how he feels about you. I've got to listen. I've got to read. I've got to meditate. I've got to think on his word. And I know this is very basic, but I don't care. Because if it was that easy, everybody would be doing it. Everybody would be doing it. Everybody would be Bible literate. But the harsh reality is, we're not. And it's because of that, we have a weapon that we don't quite know how to use. It's because of that that this book just sits on a shelf just to look nice. 
this cool short sword just sits on a shelf and collects dust because it looks nice. It's time for us to take the Bibles off the shelf. Get the Bible out of your back seat. Get the Bible off the dashboard. And open it up. Take the sword out of the sheath. So you can know the power of the message. The rhema. The word for the moment. If you're in a season of fear, anxiety, rhema. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. That's rhema. That's a word for the moment. Are you in a state of condemnation and guilt over sin? Now, therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Rhema, spoken word for the moment. There's a word for every moment. My big deal in my life now is, man, find a verse for it. Find a verse for it. What am I going through right now? What am I dealing with right now? Man, find a verse for it. Find something that's going to help me wield my sword properly in the moment. Because the Word of God is powerful. It is alive. Is active, sharper than any two-edged sword, the divide of spirit and flesh. It, it works on you. And my hope for all of us this morning is that we would let that seed get on the inside of us. The seed of the Word of God. So that when the devil attacks us, when the devil tries to accuse us, when the devil tries to tell you you're not valuable, when the devil tries to tell you you're not loved, when the devil tries to get you to feel guilty and condemned about your sin, when the devil tries to attack you all in your face, you could pull out the short sword. The word of God, the rhema word, the word for the now, the word for the moment and you can defend and strike. Let's become good sword wielders for the kingdom. Let's understand and know the weapon that we've been given, the Word of God. I've got to listen to the Word. I've got to read it. I've got to meditate on it. Just stick to those three steps. You'll know your words for the moment. The word of God. Let's stand to our feet.
I'll be very honest with you. There are times where I don't feel like reading. There are times where my flesh is like, look, man, I don't feel like getting into this today. But, but Chris, you're a pastor. You, you need to get into that. You need, nah, I don't feel like it today. I don't feel like reading it this morning. Oh, I know that text already. Yeah, I don't need to read that again. I know how it ends. I know how it goes. And all these things kind of play in my head sometimes. There are, I'm just being honest. I'm just being transparent with you. There are just seasons where I don't, I don't feel like opening this up. I'd rather open up Netflix. Just being honest. Don't leave the church because of it. But I, I go through those struggles sometimes, right? Like I just don't want to get into it. But I realize it, it doesn't really matter what I feel like. But it's what's necessary. And so there are times where I have to fight it and fight opening up Netflix, fight doing other things and saying, no, you know what? I need to get into this right now. I, I need this. And I read it, and I don't even know why I read it at the moment. I'm just reading it, just going through it, and I think about it, whatever the case may be. And then what I discover weeks later, months later, another time, I'm going through a struggle, going through a circumstance, whatever it is, trying to make a decision about things. And the Lord is so good that the Holy Spirit would bring something to remembrance. His word to remembrance. And I may not have the Bible close to me. I may not have my phone near me, whatever it is. And, and just that word comes to remembrance. Say, Chris, you remember when you read this? It was me just going to the well. That's all I was doing, just going to the well. And I didn't know why I needed the well at the moment, but I'm just, I'm just going to the well. I'm getting the water. I'm getting refreshed. But when I needed a drink, and I didn't have the Bible near me, when I didn't have the app near me, when I didn't have it near me, because I kept going to the well, I was able to get refreshed by that rhema word for the moment. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, it's not about a feeling, because there are times where we don't feel like it. We don't feel like reading it, Lord, but we know it's necessary. Because your word is powerful. It's powerful. It's alive. Lord, we thank you for the seed of the word of God, Lord, that is planted in our lives. And Lord, I pray that out of necessity, Lord, that we would go to the well, that we would plant, that we would water that seed that is in us. The seed of the word of God that transforms us. The seed of the word of God that changes us. We thank you for the sword that we can fight with, that we can strike with. We thank you that we are not left unarmed, but you have equipped us for this spiritual fight. 
We thank you for the breastplate of righteousness. We thank you for the belt of truth. We thank you for the helmet of salvation. We thank you for the shoes fitted with the readiness of the gospel of peace. We thank you for the sword of the Spirit. We thank you for the armor. We thank you for your presence. And we thank you that you go before us. We don't have to fear our enemy because you are with us and he is already defeated. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. And we commit our lives to you, Lord, as we surrendered, as we released this morning. Let's walk out of here changed and transformed and new. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.